You're sure you don't want to hold out? We can reach out to Hajatha Kados. Connor Bain shakes his head resolutely. The nerves are ruined. The damage is too extensive. Do the deed, Joram. Quickly. The older man sighs and lifts his axe, muttering a prayer as he lines himself up. Whisper in bronze, steady my hand. Make these strokes swift and the cuts neat, that we may set this man on the path to healing. Resisting the urge to close his eyes, Joram Kite swings the axe down once, twice. Connor bites down hard on a strap of leather, throwing his head back and punching a table against the pain. But he stays conscious. He fights through it. The pain has to end. Kite drops the bloody axe to the floor and brings one hand up to his friend's legs, now both cleanly amputated below the knees, and the other to his holy symbol. Now he closes his eyes and whispers to his goddess, and a flood of bronze energy flows out from the symbol like water, following the cleric's arms down, wrapping itself around the wounds at the ends of Connor's legs. New skin grows under the healing light, and slowly the wounded man relaxes. The pain fades from his face. Connor lets the leather strap fall out of his mouth and tumble down to the floor with a sigh. He reaches out with his right hand, resting it on the forearm of the cleric. Thank you, friend. I'm truly in your debt. I only wish I could have regenerated. Think nothing of it. There are other ways to walk. But now, I'd like to speak to my daughter. This is Pot Against the Machine. against the machine. Welcome back to Pot Against the Machine, the only Pathfinder actual play podcast where Patchy Blue does not have a consistent accent, but he does have a lore dump for you. And I forgot how I start these. Hi! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hey! <laughs> that seems about right. Yeah, You've yeah. created a new tradition. That's how it goes from here on in. <laughs> Uh, so I like the implication that Patchy Blue exists in other podcasts. Patchy Blue is universal. Um, Eternal, if you will. Yeah. There's, you guys had a chance to take him out, and now his reign of terror will never end. He's escaped into the multiverse. It's going to be the final boss of uh, book six. But, but not of our podcast. Pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to sneak into Carrion Crown, and the HLP gang is going to take him down. They're going to try. That's fair. He might have 2d6 of sneak attack by then. Oh, mm. mercy. Fair. That's just un- that's just untenable. Uh, when last we left our heroes, they had made short work of a whole slew of Yasoki and Orc enemies uh, before imprisoning one patchy blue and interrogating him and getting all sorts of juicy, juicy gossip about what actually was going on on the engineering deck, uh, who was responsible for all of the issues in Torch, and what remained as possible threats 
uh, to our heroes. Um, so uh, we sort of cut off right after the end of the interrogation there. Everybody's just uh, standing in a uh, sort of cafeteria setting uh, where there's several tables and some rolling chairs and um, a whole bunch of dead bodies and possibly dying bodies. And uh, here we are. Yeah, I feel like this kind of has like your local game store vibe instead where it's like four sort of beat up rolling chairs around a circular table that doesn't exactly serve anyone and there's like a crack in the floor yeah well if you want some flavor text um, cushioned chairs and metal tables are situated throughout this small room to the north are several doors while a few broken machines lie against the walls. Broken panels cover the ceilings, and mounds of what look like shattered glass have been pushed under the tables. Guess we should maybe start uh, grabbing everything not nailed down. Uh, did any of those, I'm guessing none of the uh, orcs or Yasoki had anything super great on them, but they probably had junk we can sell. Well, if you're um, searching the lot of them. Each of the orcs had a masterwork studded leather armor, a masterwork bu buckler, not a butler. Um, that'd be cool, but maybe later in the AP. Um, they each had a brown access card, uh, some money and some silver discs, and then each of the Yusoki, including Patchy Blue, who obediently dropped his stuff before taking off, had a um, magic bolt of some kind, a set of small leather armor, a small hand crossbow, um, a small short sword, and a brown access card. How many Can... of both were there? Were four each? Um, I, I've actually already pasted it in the loot channel. Um, oh. it, it's hidden Jay. behind spoiler text, but now you can click that spoiler and see your spoils. Uh, is Asher proficient in shields? Uh, I would think, I was actually just looking that up, because uh, like, ooh, one-handed firearm on a buckler. Because you can use a buckler and a yeah. gun. Um, I'm going to confirm that my archetypes didn't give me any wonkiness, because I would think the paladin would be for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's kind of what I felt like. I thought a paladin should have shield proficiency. Uh, I guess should we roll on those same page, my guy. Right, if you want to roll a uh, spell check, or spell check, a spell craft on those bolts. <laughs> so I'd like to roll a spell check. Make sure they're spelled properly. Oh, that's a nine, not a six. Okay, that might actually get me something then. Uh, plus seven, so that is a 16. Um, with a 16, you... Oh, no, excuse me, that is a 17. I was looking at Arcana, not spellcraft. Ooh. Well, now you know everything. Uh, these are, you are now the proud owners of seven screaming bolts. These are plus two bolts that scream when fired, forcing all enemies of the shooter within 20 feet of the path the bolt takes to make a will save or become shaken. And why on earth weren't they shooting those at us? So they only had one each. I feel like after they... After, like, they saw us kill the first three or four guys, they would have thought me we might be worth using those on. Mm. Probably. No. That's how I play video games, too, is you really just hang on to them until the last boss. Yeah, they might have needed them for the adventurers that came after you. Yeah, had they not died. Sure. 
You never know when your boss is going to be the last boss. That's what my grandfather used to say. We'll cut that part out. Nope. Uh, we're keeping it in. Uh, I guess Vargas will turn to the rest of the group and say, The coward rat told us who's here and where they are. So, what's our next move? I, uh, believe checking these rooms to the north. The one that Patchy Blue occupied and the one uh, directly to its west. And then we have to figure out from there if we want to try our hand at any of these doors to the south. I worry that these rooms are interconnected. Robots, gargoyles, and the lady with the purple hair. We still don't know anything about her combat capability. According to the rat, she's some type of priestess, but... And he's gonna look around. Have any of you heard of this hellion? I've lived in Numeria many years, never heard of it. And I've been to a few other places, seen multiple pantheons mentioned, never heard that name anywhere. Well, I've only been here most of my life, but I've never heard of it either. Or them? I don't know. Nor have I. And Patchy described that this Hellion lives under Scrapwall, which certainly doesn't sound like any deities that I would hear of or think of a characteristic of someone that would call themselves a god, unless it was merely hubris, and with that the case I wouldn't expect Meander to have what apparently are divine powers if that really is the case. Could be some kind of demonic lord. They have physical form and are able to grant their followers abilities. The description he gave of it sounded rather demonic. It's true, but it could also be the Fae, you know, uh, called playing with humans. I've heard of priests still drawing their power from the First World as well. Not sure we're going to get much more information unless it's from her. You think she's going to tell us who she is? I think we're going to make her. It depends on how persuasive you're feeling today, Kira. Um, like a ten. Like a ten persuasive. Out of how many? Oh, I don't know. I wasn't really worried about that part. Uh, let's say nine. Oh, I am perplexed, but impressed at the same time. If she doesn't tell us, perhaps Thanks. she's left an incredibly detailed journal of both her past, her deity, and her plans for the future. That would be incredibly convenient. Since, uh staple of these type of megalomaniacs to leave such things behind just in case they can be taken out before they have time to monologue. Okay, so... So I guess... We should, we should find her and then ask questions and then read her diary. What about the gargoyle? Do you think the gargoyle is going to be protective of the diary because of secrets? I doubt we'll get any kind of audience with her without dealing with the gargoyle first. I don't know, perhaps Brixby could pretend to be a delivery person. 
and say that we require a signature on a package that's too large to come through this door, and then we could lay in a trap for her. See, that's uh, that's good Linus thinking right there. That's some silver disc heist sort of behavior, and that's what I appreciate out of you. Although, um, I do think that we should consider resting, and to do so, that we make ourselves vulnerable, uh, unless we choose to say, go up a floor, down a floor. Uh, well, if we search these other rooms to the north, possibly we'll find one that we can barricade ourselves in. And then go find her tomorrow? Well... If we arrive early enough, before she holds her congregational service, we sounds like we know exactly where to find her in this reactor room. Which reminds me, Patchy Blue did say that all kinds of treasure and items that they had found were sort of arranged outside the door is an altar of sorts. I, for one, would be interested in perusing their wares. We may find something useful to arm ourselves with prior to engaging in combat. Okay. Well, we can look through that pile and find some place to sleep and not read any diaries until tomorrow. For listeners at home, everyone is shrugging in kind of like <laughs> tepid approval. Uh, so are we uh, starting off with uh, the doors in this room, then? Yeah, I guess uh, Vargas will walk up here. This is where Rat Guy was, right? In this one? Or is he in the next door? He was in the one to the right of that. And this is, uh, looks like a kind of a dorm room. Uh, it's got two sets of bunk beds, so sleeps a total of four. Um, all the light panels that you've grown accustomed to seeing in the ceilings have been smashed out. Um, they're sort of broken glass shoved under the beds. Uh, looks like they were annoyed with the lights and broke them all. Does it look like there's anything left in here? Uh, it doesn't look like anything really of interest. Some dirty clothes and stuff. What's the door situation look like for this place? Um, well, the sort of loungy type room you're in um, has an array of uh, four doors like three four along the north curving wall um, oh no I meant like what type of door does this room have sorry oh it ha- has just one of those pocket doors um, that basically you touch it and it opens yeah. and, you, and it's not one that you need any kind of key card or anything for or if you would it would be a brown right I was going to say, it's got four beds. We could sleep in there, but we wouldn't be able to lock ourselves in. We get murdered in our sleep by a gargoyle, so that wouldn't work. Yeah, I would really worry about us, like, I don't know. I mean, we did just have this massive battle right outside of these doors. Um, She clearly knows we're here. Probably very close. I mean... I don't know. Maybe it's kind of a wild card approach to like just sleep in a room right across from the hallway from her and that she won't expect it. <laughs> One thing to keep in mind as, as far as making noise goes, this whole deck 
has that that humming like the power relay had um, except it's not as like grating like in the back of your head but it's louder it's more of like a real that, audible kind of like machinery how like many in the flintlock uh, gunshots would that <laughs> block out though well it's definitely harder to hear things over that um, especially like through walls and stuff than it would normally be so you kind of don't really know depending on how close these people are, how much they've heard. Mm. Totally. And just the last thing to consider if we are um, wanting to set up an ambush is we don't know if these rooms are interconnected. We don't know if she's going to come out of these rooms or if the gargoyle patrols, but this room is assumedly covered in dead bodies and blood. So it will be hard to keep the low profile of like sneaking up on her. I still think we should rest. I just think that we should consider that like we might not get the jump on her that we want if we're gonna rest, which we obviously need to. Yeah. I'm curious. Do, we put yeah. in this, that conduit, and I know they had like Brixby had to make a reflex save to like not get zapped or what have you. Do we get the impression that if we, would we be able to remove it with any, and replace it? Like, could we go up the floor, pull the conduit? Uh-oh. You know, so they don't just push the, you know, the up button or whatever. Yeah, go up a floor and lock the elevator behind us, basically. Yeah, yeah um, I think since you guys did the, the work to repair the thing, you would have a pretty good idea of, of how to disable it again. I like that idea, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a solid. good one. Uh, well, do we want to check, what do we have, this little thing right here and then that I think oh and the rest of these beds that just all lit up so these are all the same thing should we roll perception any of those Sam or are they just kind of the same one as the one I'm in um, if you want to roll like an in, in overall perception for searching this room um, see if there's anything of interest for you to find in here uh, 14 off the die gives that a 22 for bricks you have a really high bonus because I just rolled a natural 20 and also got a 22. <laughs> um, 18 plus 8 for 27... 18 plus 8. 26. Yes. Wow. I'm guessing uh, Asher got like a 35. Yeah, with the plus zero, plus I, zero, I had the d20 in my hand, heard that Zach rolled a 22 and just put that right back down. <laughs> um, well, with that, uh, with those beautiful search numbers, while Asher just kind of hangs out playing with his gun, um, you see that these other two bedrooms are much the same as the first two sets of bunk beds, a um, bunch of smelly, wrinkly old clothes, um, nothing really of interest. Uh, the room on the north side to on the far west uh, appears to be another fully functioning bathroom. Um, it also has a, a bathtub. Um, if anybody needs to get cleaned up, it all looks like it still works. The lights are smashed in all of these rooms. Um, and one thing that um, Brixby, Ash, or Brixby and Vargas and Kira come upon almost by accident, um, moving some of the broken machinery out of the way, so they come upon this tall rectangular machine that it's about 
you know, five and a half feet tall, and it has on the face of it a glass panel and then a series of buttons to the right of that. But the glass panel has been smashed, and inside are these sort of shelves of metal rings. And in those metal <laughs> rings, in each one, there is is a goo tube. A goo tube. Called it in the chat, right there. <laughs> oh, they can't did. see it at home. <laughs> but the uh, Caldera's blessings never wow. cease. You That's have found fan service a- to me. Surely, <laughs> this nourishment is a gift and a sign. Actually, pretty sure we still have like 118 of those in the bag of holding, so maybe we're yeah. good and we can leave that for someone else. Vargas starts tossing them into the bag. Yeah, I don't know why any other anyone else would come down here if we killed all the rat folk. Even though they were saving I, their consumables for another adventuring party, it just it just yeah. seems respectful, though. Um, what sharing? What's your problem with the goo tubes, Kira? I I don't understand the convenience, the flavor, the variety. Why, it's good on the go, it's delicious and warm. Yeah, ribbons of natural and artificial beef flavor and brisket chips. When every meal could possibly be your last, the ability to have non-perishable food with you at any moment is almost like a miracle. Yogurt should not be non-perishable. Yogurt should be able to perish. It's yogurt. Okay, and it's not yogurt, obviously. You know, this is fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's space yogurt. It's better because I like that you're com- you're completely fine with the existence of dragons and magic, but you're like non-perishable yogurt. I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any yogurt, to be fair, it just shouldn't exist. But hey, like protein goo is important, I guess. So here we are. Kingsley loves it. He doesn't, don't you put those words on him. Hey, I didn't eat all of the uh, cricket Cricket. chip cookie dough. (laughs) You look in the bag and Kingsley is just um, tail deep in a goo tube. I like that. Basically made a home. Is Kingsley in the bag? No, Kingsley is in the backpack, and (laughs) he now now has a pot belly that drags on the ground because he's just full of goo tubes. (laughs) (laughs) He's down to a plus five, a plus five fly bonus because he's full of goo. But his con modifier's up. But uh, yeah, that's about all of interest in the engineering lounge and adjoining bedrooms. Oh. Also, uh, I believe uh, Vargas definitely killed that orc last session. He does not have an X over him. Um, does he not have an X, or does he have so many icons on him that you can't see the X? Yeah, oh, he has true. literally all of the icons. Oh yeah, there is an X is one of them. I forgot you did that whole border of icons. <laughs> I was hoping it would coat him, but they just got smaller and smaller, which ruined my dreams. We're switching the foundry. Sorry, but- Sam. <laughs> uh, you okay, do so have these the two rooms that you sort of came through and didn't really have a chance to search on account of being yeah, attacked this immediately. This thing, right, was one. 
Oh, and I guess, yeah, you're right. We didn't search this big one with the boxes, did we? Right. You no. just saw a pile yeah. of boxes. Before we, we move on too much into searching, Asher would say to Vargas, You murdered that orc. That helpless orc. I understand they attacked us, but is this is this what I should expect going forward that enemies that have been defeated whether they are conscious or unconscious will perish at the end of your fist no in this case well you heard what that rat said the lord in iron does not kindly accept cowards or blasphemers an orc switching his allegiance to some ridiculous unknown god living under a scrap heap is an affront to Gorum and you saw what you saw how much of a coward that rat was Granted, I did expect the orc to give us something, simply because the laws of battle, the, we were clearly shown to be the victor, but it would debase him to wake him up and have him spill his guts to us as a follower of this ridiculous Pelion clearly would. Better that he die in battle and possibly be redeemed in the yes, Iron's eyes. I would agree if he did die in battle. The concern I have is that if you are taking it upon yourself to whether in battle, after battle, decide the ultimate fate of everyone's lives, what sort of path are you putting yourself on? The path I've already been on for far too long to step off. And then he uh, walks into the next room and starts searching. I think Kira looks after him and then back to Asher and then after Vargas again. Um, and then to Asher. Um, are you okay? I don't know that I've been okay since I've been in Torch. Kira, there's been a lot of... No, but I believe I'm more okay than a killer friend. I do want to say, uh, the whole time Vargas was giving that speech, he had that same kind of like manic look in his eye that he had when he was freaking out after finding out that we were in a spaceship. Like he, like he seems like, like it's the he had like the kind of airs about him like a fanatic, basically. Like a way you guys haven't seen him very often. This is probably like the only, the second time you've seen him that worked up over something. Kira gives Asher a sticker. <laughs> ah, yes, well, I appreciate the sentiment, and he'll he'll keep the sticker. He's not going to peel it off like that other guy. Sorry your friend murdered someone in front of you. That's a bummer, says the sticker. Yes, leave it to Michael to carry stickers for every occasion. 
It's actually a Joanne sticker, but um, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, Asher will just kind of nod and adjust the masterwork buckler on his arm. Kind of not something he's used to having, but he'll he'll look to to Brixby and say, "I rather much prefer your way of doing things." I heard you threaten Patchy Blue that if he didn't tell us, we wanted to know that. He would have to do community service. I believe you said you were going to paint the walls with him, and that is certainly a much more agreeable method of rehabilitation. And with that, he'll walk into the next room. <laughs> <laughs> this large room here is the walls of this chamber are battered and dented, and the lights in here are um, still flickering and they give the whole room a sort of phantasmagoric cast. There's a mound of rubble um, heaped in the north. While numerous containers lie in haphazard piles throughout the chamber, it looks like almost all of them have been smashed open, uh, including the desks and chairs to the southeast. It looks like this room has been uh, pretty thoroughly ransacked. I'm not finding anything. That is a four. Okay, are we still throwing perception checks at this? Six. If you'd like. Alrighty. <laughs> Unless we can just roll over that really Yeah, do you want to? We should roll over that first one, probably, I think, yeah. to, narratively. This one is now <laughs> 10 less with a 12 with a 4 on the die. Yeah, I got a 3 on the die for an 11. Well, it don't doesn't take a whole lot of um, observability observantness, which might be a word, um, to see that most of the containers in this room have already been emptied and flipped over and smashed. Uh, but there is a locker on the northeast side of the room that is battered like somebody's tried to force it open, um, but it seems to have resisted the overture so far. Oh, heck. Uh, Bricks would like to go examine that locker. Would you mind pinging where it is on the map, Sam? It's approximately over here with this corpse of an orc. You're going to have to be more specific. Is it Southie or North? I'm, I'm joking. I mean, <laughs> I saw the ping, but just when you said the corpse of the orc in the room that we have literally polka dotted with them. So Brix is going to go up <laughs> and... Uh, corpse obligedly gets up and walks out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's very, yeah, oh, very sorry, kind. Sorry, sorry. Uh, compared to all the other undead in here, uh, much obliged. Um, so... Bricks is going to take a little peek at the battered locker, the hurt locker, as it were. Uh, what does it say to him? Uh, it says it, it looks like it's locked. Um, it's in rough shape. It looks like maybe it could be bashed open, or it looks like the kind of thing where a device could be disabled. Hmm. All right. Uh, like an e-pick or one of those good old analog picks? It actually looks like an analog lock. Ooh. Alrighty. Um, so Brix is going to take one... I mean, I assume if there was a trap, it would have gone off. But, you know, um, <clears throat> rubs his eye. So going to whack another perception check at this. This would be 15, 16 if it's a high-tech or mechanical trap inside this locker. Um, yeah, it seems safe. Doesn't Alrighty. seem like there's a trap. Rolling now. Uh, eight on the die plus an 11 makes that a 19. 
unless it is high-tech or mechanical, making that a dirty 20. Uh, that is not enough to crack it open. It stubbornly resists uh, Brixby's overtures. Uh, Do Brix, you want me to smash it? Uh, Brix just pretends that he had... Um, oh, no, it was just a little uh, blood on my hand, uh, mate. The uh, pick slip. Um, you know, they um, they uh, mashed the tumblers and... Uh, all right, uh, 14 on the die plus my 11 makes that a 25. Um, uh, 25, uh, you feel like it's it's almost there, but you're just <laughs> not quite getting there. All right. Uh, Rick's like looks back one more time, getting kind of nervous, right? And it's like, <coughs> coughs uh, one more attempt. Are you still bleeding on it? Right, yeah, you know, my father told me that that would be a kind of natural lubrication. Sometimes they use graphite, but I assume that this 23 is no better than the 25 I rolled. So I'm going to step off to the side, unless people would really love to hear me chuck this D20 down this like tower over and over. Do you want to make it now? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I don't know. We, 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 there's not a lot of skill rolls that Kira gets to solve with her shoulder, <laughs> but this is one of them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go out with a sword, which is like probably makes less sense than a hammer, but the sword gets a uh, plus one to hit. So. Well, um, you don't need to roll to, to hit this thing because oh, it's definitely not trying to avoid. Um, you just get to roll damage, and your sword is adamantine, so it ignores hardness, which is going to come in handy here. That was not a great roll. Um, three plus seven. Ugh. Sorry, three plus six. Uh, ten, nine, nine <laughs> points of damage. So, um, <laughs> children look at Bricks, meaning like, I'm also so bloody right now, and lubrication, and my dad. So. Uh, Do we have one of those creatine high electrolyte pre-workout girts in there for Kira before she gets <laughs> gets another swing at it? I was thinking perhaps rockin' ranch raspberry. <laughs> for the listeners at home, I can't tell if Izzy is laughing or holding in vomit. It's a little of both. Little column A, little column B. <laughs> Pod, pod against the machine way right there. Um, I would say it's going to take probably two more swings um, from Kira to crack this open, but we won't make you a roll for him because it's, it's just a matter of getting up to the damage. Cool. So she'll just, yeah, keep whacking it. Yeah, after, after a few more whacks with the um, special, almost magical greatsword, uh, the door of the locker pops open and the contents come spilling out and you see two batteries two silver discs a strange ball kind of thing it's like a uh, white ball with a, a black top um, it's like a plastic sphere it's about the size of a fist and find the descriptions for the other things. You'll find uh, what appears to be a large, like, two-handed gun uh, <laughs> with a spike um, <laughs> loaded into the barrel where a bullet would be 
um, like a kind of a harpoon sort of thing <laughs> with a tether coming out of it. And then the last thing is... <laughs> like a grappling hook gun? Uh, sort of looks like a <laughs> grappling hook loaded into a gun, yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and then the... That's awesome. Let's see, and the final thing, as I search, is a small pod-shaped device um, that has a uh, red dome on the top of it. And we can take uh, engineering checks to identify these items. Can I determine if this pod is for or against the machine, Sam? This pod actually is a machine. Oh, oh no. I thought nice. it was an easy button from Staples based on the description. <laughs> <laughs> just whack it, torch comes on, zooms in on Asher's face. That was Boom, easy. new sponsorship. Partner. And that's the show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a knowledge engineering at this. And Sam, did I miss you? Oh, I'm sorry, Zach, go ahead. Oh no no no. Did I miss you describing a small white striped key card, or I just because I was typing things into the loot sheet, so I want to make sure. I'm... I mean, you, I think you missed it in that it didn't happen. See, well, Sam, so you um, missed it. Nice uh, try, for, though. For prep, we've all been reading this book called The Secret. And we're just really trying to make this white key card happen <laughs> every session. Editing, I've seen that we've brought it up at least five episodes in a row, so I'm sure it's right around the corner. And it's um, weird that like every time you bring it up, it actually moves it back a room. I'm, I'm not <laughs> controlling that. The, the PDFs keep changing. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, but that 12 in my die die gives me a... 21. I had a 23 total. I, I almost never outskill Brixby's. So. Oh, you got pretty strong engineering <laughs> chops. I feel like that's where we really neck and neck. Let's start at the very beginning. Um, the small pod item is an emergency beacon. It emits a bright red flash from its dome every six seconds when activated. Amazingly, once per round. Uh, the beacon also transmits its location. Any device capable of receiving signals of the sort can pick up a beacon signal, which can be tracked back to the source with a successful knowledge engineering or survival check. The beacon's transmissions have a range of 100 miles over flat terrain, but the range is halved by forests and hills and quartered by mountainous terrain or water. So it's a low check. So just quick aside... Um because we had mentioned this. Was Scrapwall 100 or 150 miles away? I know, because I know they're like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's actually 105 miles away. I don't know if you ever specifically found that out. Okay, cool. So it would be pretty implausible that this thing maybe... I don't know. Maybe. I don't really know what... I don't know anything about scrap well, honestly, but um, could we determine with Jeff's excellent check if this thing has been activated or if it's dormant or? Uh, it's dormant. It's just been in the locker. Cool. Yeah, it looks like they didn't successfully, you know, get crack this open yet. Oh yeah, I was just wondering, like maybe a bajillion years ago, that they were like, oh man, we're crashing into Galarian. Anywho, quick, turn this on, unlock the door. <laughs> I know, I don't know. I mean, they were also like, 
dangerous plant. What does it eat? I don't know. Probably not us. Cool. They were very responsible scientists, is what you're saying? That's true. Their like, uh, class pet was 11 Kasafa skeletons. <laughs> now, the um, strange item that uh, looks like a gun with a spear in it is an auto grapnel. It looks like a rifle with a small adamantine spike protruding from its barrel. When fired, an auto grapnel launches the spike with a muffled bang. The spike trails an incredibly strong and thin metal cable behind it. An instant after the spike punches into a solid target, tiny spurs lance out of it, anchoring the spike in place. An auto grapnel's cord is long enough to allow the grapnel to reach a maximum range of 300 feet and the internal retraction motors are strong enough to hold up to 500 pounds of weight. If the grapnel misses its target, it can be rewound into the gun as a standard action. Reattaching the barrel to the gun is a move action. Reattaching the grapnel, rather, to the gun barrel is a move action. <laughs> an auto grapnel strikes with an effective strength score of 22 for the purposes of determining damage. If it strikes a creature, it remains lodged in the target and connected to the rifle and its wielder by the metal cord. If the wielder retracts the cord while it's attached to the creature, the autograpnel attempts a pull combat maneuver. If used against objects, an autograpnel can pull an item that weighs 25 pounds or less back to the user as a full round action, or it can pull a heavier object that weighs no more than 100 pounds back to the user at a speed of 20 feet per round. When attached to a solid object, gun's retraction rate can be set maintain a taut line when the gun is attached to a harness worn to aid climbing jacks. This is my favorite thing ever. This thing is so cool. <laughs> this is this is amazing. Why is yeah. this not an artifact? Why why is that stupid power relay the headache box an <laughs> artifact and punchy shooty fly come over here is like get over here? I don't know. I, I scorpion. I don't yeah. play the games. This is basically the gun that Rorschach had at the end of Watchmen when he was in this fighting in the staircase. Apt. That's awesome. Is the harness? Is there a harness in there too? Because uh, I should be buckling that on and say, Ah, yes, this could come in handy. No um, harness is mentioned, so I'm not sure what the deal is there. Hmm. Do you have to make a harness? Um, it should be mentioned that all three of these items are time worn. The final item, the fist-sized plastic sphere, is actually a panic suit. When activated, it envelops the creature holding it in a full-body protective suit. While activated, it provides immunity to low radiation and resistance against all forms of energy except sonic damage. Its air filters grant a bonus on saving throws against inhaled poisons and diseases. A panic suit is a single-use item. When its charges run out, or its wearer deactivates it, it falls apart into useless fragments. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and I will also pile that on the imaginary pile of things relating to radiation that I don't want to think about in these games mechanically, Sam. <laughs> There's definitely no radiation coming up. Definitely not in the reactor room. Definitely. <laughs> 3.7 rod... Trends. I don't know. It's been so long since I've watched that. Not bad. Not good. All right. So we got some stuff. Cool. Is that all going in the bag? 
of holding? Um, well, I think maybe somebody, like literally anybody here could benefit from hanging on to that, uh, that old suit. Yeah. I don't think that should go into the bag. Um, but I do think... Yeah, someone should probably keep that on them. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to roll for it or anybody else. I mean, like I said, Bricks, I think, got the, the ring last of the magic item disbursement. Um, I, I feel like Brixby would be the one most likely to be the first one walking into an area that yeah. he could go like, oh crap, and have to slam that onto himself. Yeah, I think in game, I think Kira would probably want to give it to Brixby. With a, it's just that you almost die a lot, um, and we need you to open doors and stuff, and and also just you know be our friend. You you were also good in that way. Yeah, I just have this feeling that this invisible force that controls me just isn't very smart. But maybe this will help. It's called what, a, a panic suit? Panic yeah. room? It's a panic suit, and I pasted the um, excerpt from the technology guide in the Discord um, for reference. Because it's um, while you wear it, it grants an AC bonus of plus two, and you know it's got all the weight and stuff in there. That's cool. I think, yeah, no, I've got that bad boy in the yeah. hero. It could come in handy oh, as a disco. I, I <laughs> guessed no. in the roll 20 that it was some kind of grenade. And it's funny because the picture looks like, what are they called? The grenades from Star Wars. Like, the picture literally looks exactly like that. He's holding a thermal detonator. Thermal detonator, <laughs> yes. Like, it's even got the red button. Um, so do we head up? Or do we want to investigate something else? Um, I think we've searched everything on this floor that we're sure doesn't have enemies behind it, didn't we? It won't kill us. He said to avoid the, the electric sparkly room that we don't know is there, right? All we know is that that's a door somewhere in the area that Patchy Blue said robots. Or possibly gargoyle services room, because from what I understand in the like large block below us, uh, yeah, I still I don't know based off how everything else is on this ship. I assume that at least some of them are interconnected. Uh, why doesn't everybody make me a perception check? Uh, that is a six. Seventeen on the die for a seventeen. I rolled a six for a fourteen. Also rolled a six for a fourteen. Well, this time it's Asher's uh, keen sense of smell that picks things up first. An odd sort of odor on the air. That sounds familiar somehow. And the smell precedes the man. Oh no. By a moment or two. Oh no. But, uh. Sure enough, the footsteps of one Sandville Tret slowly carry him around the corner. He's dripping wet from the swim. His face is pale and somewhat sunken, and he's. He's fidgeting constantly with his fingers. He's wearing a sword on his hip and a 
a bandolier filled with vials and jars hanging across his chest. As he speaks, he smiles and, and bounces his weight from foot to foot. And he says, Hey! Hello there, friends! I gotta say, you've really undersold the place. This is incredible. Archaeological find of the century. Hey, Sandville. Um, ah, it's, uh, smells like that little dip didn't do much for your, um... <clears throat> anyway, uh... Didn't know you were the field type, friend. Can I chuck an old, um, sense motive at fidgety Mc McDruggy do over here? <laughs> Go for it. Uh, that's a solid 17 right there. We got a five, only a five. So, yeah, that'll be a, a 22. Um, now with the 22. I, he's he's definitely nervous. Um, he may be in some way inebriated. It's it's hard to tell. Does he look like he's gonna do something weird to us? Does he hey. got like a? Does he got a vibe? Uh, he's got a a vibe like he's definitely uh, really nervous and sort of doesn't know what to do with his hands and you know isn't. Isn't sure how things are gonna go here. Bricks, um, is, is your friend okay? So Bricks is gonna, in as much as the party has come to know each other uh, over the past couple days, look into the eyes of everybody else in the party and express some grave concern. Not the joking concern that he normally like. Haha, uh, Sandville's awful, and he kidnapped me. That's what friends do. It's fine. No, it's like a kind of put your hand on your hip there, gunslinger kind of look. Um, because, yeah, he's going to wheel back towards Sandville and go, uh, get into a little bit of the, uh, the old all night there, buddy. You're uh, shaking, jittering a bit. And um, I think Bricks is gonna move down south to not be in the way of Asher, but in direct line of sight with Sandville. Yeah, I think Kira is going to move up. Next-ish to Asher, but closer to Sandville. Now's not a good time for us to be Washing your clothes, Sandville. Perhaps whatever urgent business you have, maybe now is not the time or the place. Do you know how to use that sword on your hip? Do you have any idea how dangerous this place is? Uh, he sort of smiles and, and laughs a little bit and, and takes a, a jar off of his um, bandolier. And he says, see... I thought we we had a, a relationship going, and uh, you know we weren't necessarily friends. I know you don't necessarily like me. And he takes the top off and, and throws the contents of the vial back and, and lets the jar drop. He says, uh, "But we were gonna share in the bounty under the hill, right?" Yes, we're still awaiting the rest of the payment from a previous transaction. Yeah, but even more pressing, what's your quaff in there, mate? 
Um, you're making us all real nervous. And he sort of laughs a little bit. <laughs> Just a little medicine, you know. I get nervous and, you know, old habits. He takes another jar off his bandolier. Um, says, no, I totally understand, mate, as Bricks draws his wand of magic missile. Nervous. <laughs> old habits. So hold on before you drink the next one. Because, um, well, I'm not going to use any more colorful language that might be misinterpreted by any members of this party. But we've had a very long day. And as you can tell, the way that we've been dealing with it has been colorful, expressive, and, um, well, frankly, all over us and everything else. Now, our business exists outside of the hill, Sandville. Under here, I'm not your little rat boy. Now explain before you put that whatever to your lips. Because everybody else in this party is going to ask you in a much less kind way. Steps forward. One five foot step, putting him out of line with everybody else. Friend. And he'll hold his hand out to the side to sort of keep the vial in his hand um, theatrically away from his mouth. And he goes, sure, sure, I understand. You know, an excess of caution. You're a smart guy. You're all, you're very smart. You're very capable. I get that. I get it. Thing is, I just, I get nervous when I find out people are holding out on me. He looks around, looks up at the ceiling. He's like, yeah, we... I know I didn't get you your money fast enough, and there were complications. And you get that, and we all get that. But this, I mean... You hurt my feelings, Bricks. And this is business, but... And I absolutely, I admire what you're doing. The swath of murder that you've cut through this place is particularly impressive and he sort of points at the dead bodies that are strewn throughout the the room that you guys are all standing in he says and by all means you can get back to that just as soon as we come to a new understanding but uh the situation I feel like is a little bit different than you were letting on and, uh, you, you're sitting on a power relay, a priceless artifact, one that I pointed out to you, and you didn't come to me with that information. You went to Connor Bain, probably the least trustworthy man in Torch, and you keep it from me, your technology guy, your expert, the guy who risked his neck to hide your robot. What does that say about our relationship? That I listened to you the last time that you told me that you were being pursued by rope fists. A organized crime group that has become increasingly tied to whatever nastiness we've discovered in this town. Now listen, Sandville. Oh, I know I drug up a robot my friends insulted to you, but I want to get one thing. Cross, you and I, we are not the same. 
the wonders that we hide under these sands. They're for everyone in Numeria. They're not for the Technic League. They're not for grubby hands of merchants. Now sure, a little coin can pass here and there. Something of this size isn't to be melted down and sold by men like you. Now frankly, Sandville, I think as a business courtesy for our future relationship, I should uh, turn over negotiations to one of my perhaps less impassioned party members. Asher? Yes, Sandville. You did point us in the direction of activity in a warehouse, and we thank you for that. But we won't apologize for trying to relight a torch and restore the daily lives and function of an entire city simply to detail an inventory of technological wonders we may have unearthed in the process. If that offends you, then by all means, feel free to refuse our business in the future. But if you seek to threaten us and demand some sort of agreement or that we owe you anything, I'm afraid that we're not in the business of bending the knee to anyone who comes down swimming through a weeping pond with a sword. How did you even get here alone? Are you okay? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm good. I'm great. And there was. Kira just walks over with like five bottles of water. <laughs> it's just yeah. half a sticker. Half a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> And there's nothing between Torch and here but a sand, which, I mean, that's crazy. But, uh, and you, you guys didn't leave anything alive in your wake. So I, I just walked. I just walked until I heard voices. Walked but from where? From Torch. I found out about the relay and I... But found out from whom? From the your buddy there, Connor. If that's his real name. Why did you say that Connor is the least trustworthy man in Torch? What did you mean? I'm sorry. I've been sworn to secrecy on that subject. You're gonna have to ask Master Bane himself about that, because when Sanville Tret makes a promise, he keeps the promise. I'm not here to threaten anybody. There's one of me. There's four of you. I'm not a fighter. I'm just a salesman. But, uh... I don't think you guys get what you're sitting on top of here. There's... There's no way we can keep this from the Technic League. It's too big. And they're too smart. But all that stuff I told you before... About how they'd throw us in jail after we reported it, and that's true for most people. But it doesn't have to be true for us. Your old pal Sandville, he's got an in with the League. 
Might be I can turn this discovery of yours into a very lucrative career for all of us. You followed us down here? When he says he's got an in with the league, uh, Fargus is going to do something unless the rest of the cast decides to stop him. Because he's going to start walking forward towards this dude. As um, Vargas walks towards him, he's going to sort of match him step by step, kind of walking backwards, still holding his hands up like he's not going to do anything. He's like, hey, get your boy here. We're trying to have a conversation. What do you mean you have an in with the League? I just mean that I'm sort of an independent contractor. They, uh, you know, every once in a while, they ask me some questions. Maybe they'll point me somewhere, ask me to keep an eye on something, maybe help them find a little contraband, and they toss me a little money now and then. That's it. I'm not part of the League. But, with a find like this, we hand it over to Gartone on the platter. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a free captaincy for anybody who wants it. The sweet life. Do you have any idea who those people are? And he's still, like, advancing at it. What they stand for. What they do. What they've done. Well, I'm... I'm not here to, to deal with old personal stuff. Whatever you got with the League, you don't got with me. I'm just a guy who's trying to get by. And... Why are you here? You came all the way down here to tell us that you kind of work with the Technic League? What do you want? I came down here to see for myself what else you were hiding once I found out that you had a priceless artifact that you weren't telling me about. Now you you stay the hells back. You stay the hells away from me. And he um, takes his free hand and he pulls um, a pint jar sized uh, vial of liquid off of his chest. And it's, um, it has rainbow, like a rainbow swirling sheen to it, like oil. And he pops the lid off of it with his thumb. And he says, I want to do this peace- peaceful. I want to do right by all of you, despite how you've treated me. But don't think for one second that this is ending any way but the way I say. If I have to, I'll kill the lot of you. Nah, nah, nah. Sandville. What happened to Connor in the Gear Father? What do you mean Connor told you about the transmitter? He told me right after I fixed him, because I'm a stand-up guy. Can we throw a fixed sense motive at that statement? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would also like to do that. All right. I am rolling pretty midland. It's an 11 plus 5, 16. Um... 16 plus 3, 19. That seems genuine. That he fixed him. That he fixed him. Okay, so then, yeah, I think Kira says again. What did you do to him? Where's Val? I didn't see the kid. And maybe she's back at her house. Maybe she's with him now. I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't fix his legs. I'm not a cleric, but I got the, the robots out of his head would have done it sooner if Kite had let me anywhere near the guy, but... How... how did you know how to do that? 
What about Father Kite? Kite's fine. I didn't see him. I snuck in while he was sleeping to help Bane because he wouldn't let me. And I had medication from the ruins, specifically the type of stuff that deals with infections that you could get from this stuff. Man, I am so torn. Sorry to break the icy for a second <laughs> to just point directly at those robot doors right to our east and be like, there's the robot, Senville, go get them. You know, but um, I really don't want to get into a full-on robot battle with a gearsman right now. We can just lock him in there. Yeah, at this point, I'm kind of... Uh, just now, shove him in. Sandville, um, I, I understand that you feel slighted. And Brix is just going to move slightly towards the elevator. Now... We both know that this is not the way to do business, sneaking up on one another. You know, proper business is done at 11 p.m., me hammering on your door at that hostel that you like, mate. You know what I'm talking about, right? Now, this is a very delicate and evolving situation. And for better or for worse, you've just involved yourself with it. So I don't think anybody's going anywhere till we finished our little Ali Bali. I don't think anybody's killing anybody either. So how about you and Vargas and me all walk back up to this room? Right up here. Takes a second and then he goes, I'll be right behind you. No funny business. Nobody goes behind me. We're lucky we have more important things to deal with now. But when this is over, you and I are going to have a very long, very hard talk about supporting the Technic League. And then Vargas turns around and walks back. And Sandville will follow. Before Asher moves out of his way, he's going to look at Sandville and say, on one hand, you say how badly we've mistreated you, as though with your sense of entitlement, you feel we somehow owe you something. And then, within the same breath, you say you'll kill all of us. Let's say you put your medicine away, if you really are willing to have a conversation as a sign of good faith in our old diplomacy. Uh, 24. And he'll uh, pop the smaller vial uh, back on his um, bandolier, uh, the larger jar. He said, uh, uh, top of this one's back there. I'll get it. <laughs> I fire the, the harpoon at it and I retrieve it. It's 500 foot range. <laughs> 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 Picking up Roar D100. Yeah. Does it weigh less than 25 pounds? I'm kidding. So. <laughs> Asher will slowly walk away uh, back towards the room, trying to keep about 25 feet or so ahead of Sandville. And um, 
as you're all heading in, he will chug the jar of the mirror uh, of the strange fluid. MF. And he dies. Did it have to go this way, Sandville? It was, it was, it was the wrong one. <laughs> I switched the vials. I like the idea that it's really just because it's like, you know, it's like one of those beers you can't put the top back on. He's just like, it's, it's, it's going to go it's already open. It's going to go flat. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah, his eyes go wide. It's like and the idea of him accidentally drinking a pint jar of mercury. Iocane powder. And he just lets the jar drop on the floor and says, Woo! Sorry. You know, once I smell the stuff, it's old habits. And he rubs his hands on his eyes, uh, and he follows along like nothing happened. I don't think he is sorry. Nope. <laughs> oh, man. Sandville is way more Lou Reed than I ever imagined before. <laughs> it's too bad for him that we have to rest now and all of those uh, benefits he's getting from the stuff he's drinking is going away because there's no way that lasts eight hours. <laughs> so Sandville has followed you back into the room. Oh, what's the what's the plan here? I just... I'm... I'm... Tell them our plan to turn around and go back up the elevator. <laughs> We're going to bed. I am not. Super, Kira is not super comfortable with that much space between Brixby and Sandville. Like, I just don't. She's not leaving um, Brix alone with him. So, yep, there we go. That works. Seals really tense, Sam. Like, it just feels, you know, I'm going to level with you, man. I'm, I'm, this feels real tense. Um, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> and all our talk about robot rooms and gargoyles and Hellion, never once did I consider the scenario where old Greasy himself comes around the corner. You got me. <laughs> yeah, that was unexpected. Well uh, done, Sam. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something and see if it throws old high guy off his game a bit. Rex is gonna look back at the group, turn back to Sandville, and say, "So Sandville, Hellion, what do you know about him? Never heard of him." Is is it even worth sensing his motive at this point? Is his motive capable of being sensed? Has right, he transcended yeah. <laughs> truth and veracity itself? Well, I mean, he seems a little bit stilted and weird now since he drank that um, potion or that jar, whatever it was. Medicine. He seems like he might, you know, sort of have trouble lying right now. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Well, didn't evoke any response, but it's figured we'd break up the line of questioning that seems to just cyclically go to, what are you doing here? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm here. Here I am. Here I am. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? So I was kind of hoping for like a Beetlejuice situation. We'd turn around and be like, Hellion. And then he would be like, ah, <laughs> here I am. Um, that was a little bit disappointing. But hey, we're not dead. 
You also need to say it a couple times. Yeah. That's well, true. I mean, because we don't want to risk any sort of... Um, what's that thing of when you steal stuff that's not yours? So you just say it two to four times and not sure. three. You're a well-traveled businessman. Sandville, have you ever had a reason to go to Scrapwall? Nah, a bunch of garbage up there. The League doesn't care about that place and neither do I. No, not really any money to be made. Yeah, I, was, I understand as a merchant, making money is certainly your top priority. Uh, I don't mean that pejoratively. So you, you must uh, expect that I'm curious. Did you simply help Connor Bain out of the goodness of your heart, or was there an exchange of goods and services? I just saw a guy who needed help, and I, I helped a guy. Like you I saw said, a guy with information, and you pumped him for it. I'm sorry, Sandville. I, I've known you longer than anybody here. Let's drop the Good Samaritan Act. Let's be honest with one another. Now, you and I both know that the Technic League will never leave Torch alone if it knows what's under this hill. Life will never go back for turns to Kira, her kin, the people we've met here. I'm not sure that, uh, well, I'm not sure that I, I can trust you to not tell them in your current state. Do you think you could muster some discretion for us there, buddy? See, uh, I still think you're not thinking about this clearly. Sure, you, you've you got... The town's got issues. The t There's money in it for a town. For the town. They need the torch. They need their taxes. Think of what you could do from a cushy office in Starfall. You turn this over to the League. They dig this place up. They do whatever it is that they do. We work out a deal with them. They cut the taxes on the town. They turn the torch back on. Maybe they even let the old lady keep some amount of control over the place. And everybody walks away happy. But if they don't come by this peaceably, they wipe the town off the face of Galarian. And you don't get rich. You're lying. Um. <laughs> you, you, you just want, you just want the money and, and you're gonna hurt everyone here and, and leave us alone. I, you're just trying to scare us. If it weren't for people like you telling them, the League would have no idea what was going on here. The torch has only been out for a week. If we're lucky, we can have it back on tomorrow morning. If it weren't for you letting them know, the League would have nothing to do with this town. See, the League's gonna find out. They're gonna find out from me or they're gonna find out from somebody else. One of you guys is gonna get drunk and run your mouth. Or so, somebody's going to tell the kid, and the kid tells some other kid at school, it's going to get out. But the way I figure it, we do it on our terms. We take, we don't turn the torch back on. We leave it off. 
we send word to the Technic League of what's going on here and we secure this place. We do it all very theatrical. They get here, roll into town with in big numbers and it's all, how do you do? And I greet them and they're all like, what's the meaning of this? And I'll be like, check this out. And then I send you the signal, right? And you turn the torch on. Who's and ahs abounding. We just did a miracle. And then we bring them down. We give them a little tour, yada yada, easy street forever, because they're all happy. You try that, and they kill you and take everything anyway without having to pay a penny. Yeah, I was about to say, after walking through halls of untold wonders, the most implausible thing I've run into under here is what's spilling out of your mouth right now. If you think the Technical League will give you some position of power because you give them yet another wonder gifted to us from the stars to grind up, to turn into a weapon, to hurt and kill people. Sandville, my friend, this conversation is very grave. You're discussing the future of her people, of the ones that we've come to know and trust here. He's gonna sort of crack his neck and take another step back. Just say, you're not listening to reason. This is the only way forward. Yeah, we win. Yeah, I win. But everybody loses in the other scenario. You don't know Gartone like I know Gartone. He'll be happy. He'll be grateful. And he'll owe us. Uh, Vargas takes one of his... He doesn't have the moderate anymore because he gave that to Bricks, but he drinks one of his... uh, Cure Light Wounds potion just kind of pops it and drinks it the same way Sandville's been drinking his thing, and he says, By the way, did you say you already told this Garçon, was it? Garton. What was the name? Garçon. You already, <laughs> you already told the Mater D. The <laughs> you already told this Garton, or that you plan to tell him. He sort of winces a bit. Shakes his head like a shudder was coming over him and says, uh, that's, that's for me to know. It's privileged information. How privileged? Like the privilege of being alive or... What would you rate that on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, and she'll just real, just casually place a hand on her sword and I will roll an intimidate check. Sorry, you probably can't hear that. I will roll an intimidate check. That is a... 13 on the die, plus 8 for 21. And uh, he definitely looks a bit shaken by that. Um, he's going to take another step back, um, pull out that vial again, and pop the top and uh, drink it. Okay, so the intimidation route is not great. Since we're escalating, now Brix is just going to go, now, Sandville, trust me on this one. 
I'm just a bit nervous because we're all a little yampy. I want to do something with my hands. But I'm not going to face you so you don't get nervous. It's going to turn his back to Sandville, grab his amulet, whisper under his breath, evoking his uh, arcane bond to cast shield again on himself. And provided that he isn't stabbed multiple times during the process, turn back around lightly glimmering translucence and go, now see, just just making sure this is all peace here. All peace. Although he is still holding that wand. He doesn't know what that wand's of. And uh, while Brixby did that, he popped one more vial um, and chugged it, and now he's got his hand uh, resting on the hilt of his longsword. Really I, I think he should make a constitution save to see if he pees his pants. That's a lot of liquid. <laughs> Chugging it. It's going to at least be bloated. This so. guy is a dedicated drinker. I'll have you know. <laughs> um, and he does have, um, at this point, he has like these horrible like pustules almost starting to form on his skin uh, from that last one. Like these blistery things. And he he's still like pale and sweaty and is, you know, is got twitching and moving constantly but now he also has these um, blisters just forming all over him. Ah, uh, buddy, you know, looking very good. Perhaps uh, Astra should take a look at you. Look at your skin. Seem there may have been some interactions between the various medicinals you've just consumed. Uh, he says, uh, perhaps you should stay the hell back. And he draws his longsword. Uh, Vargas's arm drops to the ground as he casts long arm on himself. Uh, let's stop dancing around it, kids. Let's stop dancing around it. He's going to look straight at him and go, you're breaking my heart. Then he's going to let go of the magic missile to kick off initiative because I am tired of this dance. <laughs> And as the magic missile flies through the air in slow motion, I go to bed. (laughs) You possibly sleep. My anxiety is at a 12. Everyone is fighting, but not fighting. Everyone's so mean. Good night. (laughs) Good night. Night, Sam. against the machine. against the machine is property of its creators, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are properties of Paizo Publishing. Please visit them at paizo.com for more information. Theme against the machine written and performed by our own Zach. Please consult the show notes for additional music and sound effect licensing information. Because he said slow motion. It was a good bit. Yeah, I know.
Just... No, I got yeah. Uh, oh well. <laughs> I'm gonna do it in post. <laughs> what kind of cool cafeteria did you have where you had rolling chairs in it? Because mine didn't. Even in college. Well, this is more of a business. Did you have a cafeteria in college? We no, called them dining halls. This is good radio. Yeah. Uh, I had one. They just never let us eat. <laughs> <laughs> 